Hello and welcome to the Contracting Officer Podcast. You're listening to the podcast for people who want to learn about the government market from the contracting officer's perspective. If you are a contracting officer, we hope to give you a little more insight into industry's perspective. This is part two of our discussion on debriefings. Hope you enjoy it. Protest paranoia. I, I love that phrase because I, that's what I feel like uh, looking looking at at our RFPs from the outside now, and reflecting back on on the process of actually getting the RFP out. So much of the RFP can and sometimes is written from a we got to make this protest proof standpoint, and most of the time, all that does is kill your opportunity to have a smooth source selection and and buy what you want to buy because you start writing things around i'm worried about getting a protest instead of i'm just i just want to write the requirements as cleanly as possible and the evaluation criteria as cleanly as possible so that i get what i want and so it's it's a self-fulfilling prophecy that that the more time you spend worrying about the protest the potential for a protest the more likely you are to get one because as as you're writing the 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 documents, you're, you're taking the logic out of them, and you're putting in a bunch of, of defensive protective uh, measures that don't actually help you buy what you want. And then when you get to the the debrief, it, it's it's the the same deal. If if you show up with an army of lawyers as the CEO, well, the, probably the contractors are going to show up with theirs too, and and vice versa. If you as a contractor on your invite list bring outside counsel, the government is scared to death because they they feel like, oh, no, we're going to protest. So they actually clam up and share less information because they're afraid you're going to protest on them. So I don't want to knock lawyers too much, but it, it doesn't usually help the, the uh, debrief process. Yeah, I, I agree with that. My and opinion I, I, only. <laughs> that's right. This is, this is a free and open in, environment, so we can kind of see what we want, I guess. The, the thing that kind of threw me once is that I had somebody come in during a debriefing for a, a vehicle and – out of the gate, the guy says, I just want to let you know I'm going to protest. And I remember thinking, why would you say that? <laughs> because it's like, I'm already, I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm already on the defensive. Now I'm really on the defensive. Now, ironically, here's what the funny thing that happened from that. I had already resigned myself to the fact that he was going to protest. So I just was open kimono with, and, now, and, and the funny thing about this particular scenario is that his, his explanation of how he put his price together was not understandable to anybody in the room. And when I showed him how, when you walk through, I pulled up his proposal and walked through the math and said, these numbers don't compute. I can't give you a reasonable expectation that this is going to cost what you say it's going to cost. Therefore, this is creates a risk. And that, you know, that was a, was a, a cavalcade of other problems that started. But ironically, because I went open kimono under the idea of, if, you're, if, you're, if he's already going to protest, let's just tell him everything. And here's, of course, the punchline is he didn't actually protest. <laughs> And I, but he and, scared you into telling him the it, truth. It's, it's, yeah, it's really funny how that played out. And is that the case in every scenario? Of course not. So if you're but a contractor, just, do not follow this example. We don't yeah. recommend going into every debrief and say, I just want you to know I'm going to protest to try to trick them into telling you everything that they didn't want to tell you. That's funny. Yeah, and, and it was just a it's, – it's a, it's a great example of how it's very easy to get so protective. And I didn't tell him anything he wasn't entitled to. I just worded into the uh, worded it worded it. I phrased it, <laughs> phrased it in the idea of I'm just trying to help you understand what happened, and that's really the point of the debriefing anyway. And I had a lawyer in the room the whole time, by the way, and he kind of had the same attitude of, "Well, <laughs> it's already going to protest. Well, yep. it's just tell him what we know." That's, so that's great. 
So, so now that we've we've riffed through some general examples about about uh, what why why they're done, why it's important. Let, let's get into the details just a little bit and talk about what what do you get uh, when you when you're the contractor. What do you get when you go to the debrief or that's assuming it's a sit down, but, or if they just send you the debrief, what do you, what do you get out of it? it going back to what we started with, uh, you're going to have a general understanding of why you lost. There are specific things like you're going to know what the winner's price was. You're going to know what the winner's, what the winner's ranking was. If they ranked uh, the, the proposals relative to yours, you're going to know, you're not going to know how, how uh, of the say 15 offers, you're not going to know that you're number seven unless they specifically ranked them. You are going to know where you are, where you were relative to the winner, right? So they only so, compare you to the winner, and they're not going to tell you uh, exactly how the winner was ranked on any particular thing. Just in general terms, higher in technical, uh, higher in management. Those are the usual kind of things. Correct, and, and you're going to know where your weaknesses were. You're going to know where your strengths were. Uh, you may be able to tell what your what weakness sunk you relative to the other <laughs> offer, uh, but they're not going to do a line by line. And if, and if you think about it, you know it's the same. They're going to do a line-by-line on your proposal, but not on the winner's proposal. Yeah, Yeah. sorry. They're not going to do a line-by-line comparison. Yeah. You you did this thing perfectly well, and they didn't. And there's a lot of reasons for that. The simplest one is it's it's close to what's called technical leveling, where they're saying, oh, if you had only done it this way, which, by the way, this is how they did it, then you would have won. And that's not fair to the other company. Wow. Technical leveling is a whole other greatly misunderstood topic, or at least it was when I was – maybe it was just me that – totally misunderstood what that was when I was a CEO. That's add that to the list of, of uh, topics. <laughs> we, we have some, I'm sure there's a contracting officer out there. I, I think I know of a couple yeah. who can give a really good explanation on how technical leveling can impact. So you'll probably hear me writing right now. <laughs> exactly. And so you'll get an assessment of your proposal, your proposal in relation to the evaluation criteria. That's the line by line. You're going to get a comparison of this is what we asked for. This is where you met or didn't meet it. That's what you should be getting. And, and, and really, the, the, the best part about it is you, you can learn what didn't we do well that we can do better next time. That's what you should be looking for. Um, now, let's all be, also be clear what you're not going to get is the secret sauce of why the other company won. If they come up with some innovative solution, they're not going to – again, that's not fair to the other company. If you were that winner, you wouldn't want it to be shared by you either. And there is a specific requirement they can't, they can't share – uh, proprietary information, et cetera. So I mean, think, you know, use common sense here. Yeah. But at my company, we do post debrief debriefs. You know, it's a, that the proposal postmortem doesn't come until after you go get the debrief and the government usually doesn't let you bring the entire proposal team to a debrief. You usually get a couple people, uh, the, the technical person, the proposal, uh, writer, the, the lead proposal manager, writer, whatever, uh, a contracting person, maybe maybe one of the executives of the company, but it's usually just a handful of people invited to a, a debrief. But you know, the the team that goes to the debrief comes back and generally sits down with the entire proposal team and the leadership or whatever, and we go through. Here's what they told us, and here's what we think, and and you know, really tries to build those lessons learned into our next proposal process. And that's a good takeaway: is that you should have a proposal. Part of your proposal process should be what did we learn from our last debriefing. Yeah. And that's one of the other things in here that you get is this is going to sound a, a little bit snarky, but I, I, I kind of like to bring up things that people don't think about is that if you really got a horrible debriefing, you didn't really get any useful information out of it. You don't understand why you didn't win. Protest. Honestly, 
Well, yeah, that's, that, that's, that's the knee-jerk reaction. Honestly, I, I, you got to ask, if, and this is, again, this is as a small business, that's, you know, the, the, most of the listeners on this, on this podcast are small to mid-sized companies. You got to ask yourself, is this an agency I want to do business with? And the reason I'm saying that is as a contracting officer, they're thinking that. Or they should be thinking that. Yeah, you got to hope that whatever you're selling can work with multiple agencies. Otherwise, you might be out of luck if these are the only people that really buy what you need. But totally yeah. agree with you. Totally agree. Yeah, there, there's, a, there's, there's a lot of value of targeting, which is, a, again, a whole other topic for, yeah. uh, for a different podcast. But this is a great place to learn that is if you didn't get anything near – because you're never going to get everything you want out of a debriefing because you would love to just say, what can I do perfectly next time? And they're going to give you a line by line. It doesn't work that way. Yep. You usually but, have the opportunity during the debrief to ask questions. Like the it, most that I've gone to and most that I gave, I guess, after the debrief, the government leaves the room and gives the, the team a chance to ask questions. Or if, or if the debrief is a, is a document mailed to you or sent to you or emailed, whatever, you get a chance to ask questions about the debrief. And the government's going to answer them very formally because they want – they don't want they're still under risk of protest but but if you should if you don't feel you got anything out of the debrief you should ask questions and try to get more out of it exactly and i, I really i push this this envelope of understand what you're learning about the agency every agency has their own strategies they have their own agent they have their own culture and if you don't understand, by the way, you should understand that before you bid. But and if you didn't, here's another gleaming example of a place where you can pick up on, wow, I really don't know what I'm doing here, and I should be selling to somebody else. Yeah. yeah. So even if you have a cookie-cutter proposal for your product that you submit to different agencies, it's going to be evaluated completely differently everywhere you go. And if you don't learn what the hot points are for different, uh, different buying organizations, you're, you're shooting yourself in the foot. Exactly. Yep. So, so that's that's we, we tried to say. If you're an industry, this is what you get out of it. This is why you need to pay attention to it. This is why it's it's the most important. Maybe, maybe the most is is overstating it, but it is a really important part of the source selection process and the the business development process and the sales process. Is is the the debrief is your chance to learn more about the customer. It is. What does the CEO get out of it? That's uh, we we touched on that before. If, if you're if you're smart, you learn what you did badly and what you can do better next time. But there's more to it. Why does a contractor need them? Is a question you should be answer, asking yourself. And they want to know why they lost. Just like, and I'll I'll put it in, in in the government employee seat. If you don't if you don't get a promotion, you want to know why you didn't get the promotion. If you don't get some opportunity, you want to know why. That's human nature. So you know this at its core, business is personal. Even government, there is just, there are people doing this, right? So they want to know why they lost. Most of the time, okay, maybe not. Yeah, I'm, honestly, I'll say most of the time, companies are okay with losing in in general terms. Yes, they don't like it, but the reality is, business is business. You're not going to win everything. And if you don't tell them as a CEO, if you don't use that opportunity to tell them why they lost, that's when the protest comes about. If you honestly tell them why they lost, you're not going to get a protest because they understand that it's worthless to spend the time and energy protesting because you did a fair job of evaluating them just like you said you would. And their competitor offered a better price, better product, whatever that fit the needs. And that's okay to companies if that happens. But if you don't tell them, they might protest just because they don't understand. And that's a nightmare. Then you've done it to yourself if you're the CEO. And, and they don't trust you. Yeah, exactly. That's the scary part is if if the the people who are bidding on work at your agency don't trust you, 
that's an inherent problem that's going to show up in other areas. Here's and here's another example. They may not bother next time. Good companies may not bother bidding at your agency. Yeah. And this is this is true of of when you're hiring employees. I'll I'll, I'll use the, the analogy of certain companies are known for churning employees. So good comp, good people don't apply there. So think about that. If you're an agency and you you as a contracting officer you're trying to support your customer. You want good proposals. You want good service. You don't want contractors that are that are always arguing with you and always thinking that you're you're an idiot and they're always fighting with you. Well, guess what? If you treat everybody like that, you're going to get some of that. And I know this sounds really you know uh, condescending. I can tell you from experience. I've worked in, in offices, and I, I won't bring them up. But I've worked in offices where it was obvious that. They didn't take good care of the contractors over over decades. And as a result, there are a few companies that learned how to play the game and they got the same crappy proposals and the same frustrating experiences from the same companies. And they wonder why, well, we don't get good competition. And and, yeah. and, and <laughs> those companies, the good companies have good products and lots of agencies buy the same stuff. So as a company, you have a limited ability to write proposals and and create bids it 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 takes time and energy so if you got a chance to deal with one agency that you know does a horrible job and is really tough to deal with and you got a chance to deal with another agency that is fair and will tell you why you lost uh, the decision is so easy from the industry side if you if you can only do one proposal and there's two rfps out you're going to pick the one that you have a better chance of winning and a better chance of understanding how to win and and this goes back to the why of this podcast is we're trying to improve communication between both sides and make the process better. Well, this is an inherent problem. This is kind of a cancer in the overall process. If people don't trust that you're going to tell them why they lost, yes, they're going to walk away. And that's that's something I honestly I didn't see as clearly until I was out and I really help a lot of companies understand what to bid on and why and when not when not to bid and things like during the debriefing process, if you didn't get a really good answer or during the, as another example, during the RFP question process, if you don't get really good answers or even answers at all, you start questioning whether or not the work in that industry or that particular agency is worth it. And, and, and let, me, let, me clarify, let me clarify why this is so relevant. As a small company, say a, even a, a small being under, under 50 million, they don't have to bid on everything. They don't want to bid on everything. They can't so bid on everything. They can't bid on everything. So they're going to pick their target. We recently did a presentation for the National Contract Management Association about the value of targeting opportunities as a contracting officer, meaning that you don't want 50 proposals from companies that just happen to stumble upon a really unclear RFP. You want three really good ones. Right. I mean, that's that's perfect world. So the idea is if you want good companies, well, this is a really good way to get a hold of them and, and keep them coming after your agency is give them a good debriefing. Yeah. And guess what? Their proposals are going to get better. Their solutions are going to get better, et cetera. So this, this goes both ways. Yeah. So as the CEO, I mean, this is your chance to make your case that you did exactly what you said you were going to do in your evaluation and that you did select the best best proposal, that, that you got the, the company that could best meet the needs according to the, the rules of the RFP. You, you did it right. If you don't make that case, I just think about how many times I passed up the opportunity to do that right. <laughs> <laughs> so learn by doing. Yeah. So as a contracting officer, why do I care about a debriefing? We've we've kind of hit this a, a little, actually a lot. Uh, but one of the things that jumps out at me again that I really want to make sure everybody gets is this is your chance to convince them 
convince the offers, they got a fair shake. Is this goes back to that human nature of I, I, I don't want to come up here not trusting that this process is being followed. And this is your chance to convince them, look, this is my process. This is what I did. This is, this is the evaluation process we used. One of the things that we talk about, in fact, is using the source selection decision document, a redacted version of it, or the source selection evaluation board report as part of the debriefing and say, this is, this is what we did. This is where you stacked up. This is the yeah, evaluation you got. Give it to the companies. Then they'll, they'll know you're not hiding anything because they can read it except for the little words that are blacked out. Exactly. And, and it's very easy. In fact, we, we got to the point where we would structure the, S, the source selection evaluation board report with the assumption that everybody knows this is we're going to pull the chunks out of this and send it as part of our debriefing. Yeah, it makes so you, they're going to have this. It makes you write a little better report when you're on the government side, too. Yeah, that, you that's know true it's going too. to be released. That's, it's like publishing that JNA. Whoa, <laughs> everybody's going to get to see my crappy excuse. Yeah, it's a, it, it's a different animal when you know it's going to show up in front of somebody. But that that adds integrity to the system, and it and it allows people to say, "Okay, I we lost. Let's move on." And this goes back to they just want to close the book, and so do you as a contracting officer. You want to close the book. You you got more stuff to do. Uh, one of my one of my I don't know. I had several uh, rather large protest dramas, and just the the frustration of there's other stuff I need to get. There's another source selection. <laughs> there's another contract that's expiring, but I'm still hanging on to this. And okay, that's not an excuse. I, you, I understand that you know, that's, that's an emotional place for a contracting officer to be, but it's, still, it's, it's real because you thought you're going to have this thing done. You thought you'd have to close the book on this source selection. And this assumes that a lot of contracting officers will do one every year, but there are a lot of them that this is what I did six a year. Some offices, that's all you do is- Depends on how big they are, yeah. And, and it depends on how you're structured. If, if you have an office that does just the source selections and then somebody else administers them, or for that matter, they transfer them to, to the defense contract management agency, you may, that's all you do is source selection. So you end up with this traffic effect where they start stacking, and then you're still dealing with the protest from the last one. And that's just it's, – it's, it's resource heavy. And in, so going back to the why we did this podcast, that's one of the reasons the process is clogged. Is if you're spending time just still cleaning up issues from last time, mm-hmm. You can't move on to the next one. And this is an opportunity to, to make a clean break. And so go into, the, go into the, the debriefing with the idea of this is my chance to close the book for both of us. Right. So it's, it goes back to that communication. And that's like the central theme of the contracting officer podcast is to, to try to help open up that communication by, by sharing both sides of, of the picture and get some understanding going on. So let's play a little game here. Uh, my, my two things, like, if I had to give one piece of advice to a CEO and one piece of advice to a company about to go into a, a debrief, what do you, what should you be going in thinking about? So I, we just talked about this. We both talked about this a little bit as a contracting officer, you should be thinking about, I am going to convince them that I did exactly what I was said I was going to do. And whether they won or lost, convince them that the right company won. And if I do that, I don't have to worry about protests or anything. It, they're they're going to walk away satisfied. They're going to be upset, unhappy, but they're going to move on. If I'm the company, I want to go in with ears open, and I want to learn exactly what I did right or wrong so I can do it better next time. And if, if I come out of it and I've learned what I did wrong, that's a much better outcome than thinking, well, I got screwed. I'm going to protest, and uh, it's so incredibly draining and expensive, and you piss the customer off and you may not you may not win anyway but you've wasted a lot of time and a lot of money and 
if, if they didn't like you the first time, they're not going to like you anymore if you win after the protest. And then you, if it's a long contract, then you got to deal with people that don't like you for a couple of years. What a great way to start. <laughs> All right. So that was my side of the story. What do you, what, are we, are we in lockstep on, on what each side should be doing or is there something I missed there? Yeah, I, I don't, I can't add any more to those. I'll add a third element, which is what does everybody get out of it? And in today's world, everybody has pretty much everything that they need and they have most of what they want, except for time. So we're all frustrated for time. We're all looking for time. We're trying to, trying to find more time. And this podcast is an example of we're trying to multiply our time and reach more people with the same message, right? Well, this is a great way to save yourself time is to spend the time to have a good debriefing on both sides, get as much as you can out of it, make sure that it allows you to close the book so you can move on to other things. From both, know, for both sides, from, from the contractor side, yeah, you're moving on to the next thing you might actually win rather than stuck doing a protest that, uh, anyway. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's, I set on a live wire there. Yeah. But the, yeah, the, the idea of this is a great way to get more time, to add, add more time to, to other opportunities to, for the RFP, for the contracting officer side, to spend more time crafting the, the next RFP even better, to get more training, to, to listen to more podcasts about government contracting. Yeah. How's that for a plug? Nice. You get more time. And, and on the industry side, same thing, is that the goal here is to, is to close a book and move on. That, that's Not, a great point. If you do debriefings right, you, you, you save everybody time. If you take the time to share information, you, you can close the books, you move on, and it saves everybody time in the end. I love it. Exactly. Yep. So there, there's so many topics that, that we just touched on here that are, that are different casts. I mean, protests by themselves, that, that's a, we, there's many things to talk about that from, from what happens on the government side during a protest, what happens on a contractor side during a protest, my personal opinion that you should never protest because you're, you're just not helping things out, but uh, that's not how the world <laughs> works. Yeah, uh, we'll, 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 we'll irritate some people with that concept, but yeah, that'll yeah. be a fun one. Yeah. So I, we're besides protests. I mean, let's circle back to what we're actually talking about today, which is debriefs. But <laughs> but we're going to need to talk about prepping for a debrief from either side. I mean, we talked about the the concept of what you should go in thinking about doing, but but I think we both can share some tips on, on things we did right and wrong in, in preparing for, for a debrief as COs and, and on the government side, right? Correct. And, and <clears throat> knowing what, what you need to be thinking about, what you need to document, what questions you should ask. That's, that's a, that's a really good deep dive topic. And this goes back to our, one of our goals for the podcast is not just to give you a wave top that isn't really actionable. Well, the balance between that, like today was a lot of detail, right? Well, if we give you detail, on every fa phase of debriefing, you're going to end up with a six hour podcast. And that's <laughs> not what we want to offer. So that's right. So we'll get down. We'll, we'll talk, we'll have a cast about prepping for it. Then we'll have a separate cast about actually conducting it. Like what, what you should be thinking that day and how to, how to go through it. And, and I think another thing, we both have tons of stories. I mean, we tried to try to keep them somewhat short today, but I, I think, <laughs> I think there's some really good stories that, that we've uh, discussed over a drink. And I, I think it, I think there's one or more casts just about, Hey, here's a good lesson learned is, you know, storytelling time that, that really illustrates a lot of the point we've talked about today. And on top of that, not just Paul and Kevin, there's other people who have these experiences that we can share. So I think over, over time, we'll have lots of these lessons learned to be able to bring in a perspective on 
I don't know, I've probably done a couple hundred source selections in some way that I've been involved with, but there are probably 20 happening right now in the U.S. government somewhere on the planet. So imagine how many there are. I mean, there's just lots of lots of experience. So that's one of the areas that we want to get engagement is, is if somebody's interested in, in sharing their perspective, this, this, the whole idea of, the, of this, not the whole idea, but a large chunk of the idea of this podcast is to get the communication flowing. Yeah, I can't wait so, to see, I can't wait to hear the comments we get back about this one about how how off base we are. Pro- <laughs> I'll, I'll go back to my uh, evil lawyer theory, but pro- probably there's some some lawyers that'll tell us that we're all wrong and they should totally be involved because it's good billable time. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and 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 I can um, since since we're I'll pile onto that one. There are there are opinions. I'm make sure I say this so it's not too um, uh, crazy. But if you make your livelihood by doing protests, and I ask you if we should protest, what are you going to say? Yes, so, you should exactly. absolutely protest. So, so th- you know, th- think about <laughs> think about that. Um, and I, again, I'm, I know we're we're irritating the protest lawyers out there, uh, and and that's that's part of this. That's part, it's a whole other topic. Is is what's what's the best way to handle your unique situation, and that's unique to you. So that's what makes this fun so fun. Is there's just there's a whole lot of stuff, a whole lot of stuff to talk about. I don't it's want to be- diminish the value of a protest. There are times and places where protests are needed and required because the government can make mistakes, and it's it's not fair when they do. But overall, my feeling is that a lot of the protests that that I saw as as a contracting officer, and a lot of the protests that I've tried to dissuade companies from doing now, <laughs> are are not based on there was a real flaw and there was something wrong that made it not fair. It's it's. Emotion is a huge thing. (laughs) All right, let's wrap this up. All right. Thanks a lot, Kevin. Talk to you soon. That's it for part two of our conversation about debriefings. We hope you enjoyed it. As always, if you have questions, comments, or complaints, send us an email at paul at contractingofficerpodcast.com or kevin at contractingofficerpodcast.com. Thanks for listening.